Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs, and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to The Driven Entrepreneur. Man, what are you up to this week? Are you out there crushing it? Are you doing something great? Are you growing your business? Are you scaling your business? Are you thinking about starting your business? Well, that's probably why you're listening. My name is Matt Browning. If you haven't met me before, welcome to the show. Love, love, love having you here. As usual, we come at you twice a week, every single week with phenomenal interviews and we go into the backstory, what's behind the scenes for some of the most successful entrepreneurs, innovators, and visionaries of our time. This week is a special show. I have with me today, Allison Maslin. Now, if you haven't heard of Allison, you might be under a rock. Um, she comes from San Diego, California. So native, uh, well, we'll talk about California, I'm sure, when she comes right on. She's the CEO of Pinnacle Global Network, the world leader in scaling businesses. She's the Wall Street Journal bestselling author of Scale or Fail. Phenomenal book. I want to get into the book about scaling. It's been endorsed by Damon John and Barbara Kakorin from Shark Tank. So you know it's got to be good. Plus, you don't hit the Wall Street bestselling um, uh, list by selling five books. This is the real deal. And uh, this book has been changing business owners' lives. She has built 10 successful companies starting out since age 19. And her, her client list includes clients like Ben & Jerry's, Supercuts, Merrill Lynch, and Allstate. Um, you have seen her all over uh, television networks. She's been featured in Inc., Success, Fortune, Fast Company, Forbes. And she's a regular contributor to Entrepreneur Magazine. And she's been a guest expert on ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, and Fox all across the U.S. I am so excited to get into it. Welcome to the show, Allison. How are you? Oh, I am doing fantastic, Matt. And I'm so excited to be here. Listen, when, when, when I come across a, a bio like that, and I know there's no chance that this is accidental, what you teach has to be the best of the best. Otherwise, maybe one person would think it's cool or two people, but not every media outlet across the U.S., not <laughs> <laughs> every best-selling, uh, you know, Wall Street Journal best-selling book. Um, tell me a little bit about, you know, we, we started talking just before, you know, we went live. Um, tell me a little bit about how you grew up as far as like how entrepreneurs go. You know, the question I always ask is, were you one of those kids with a lemonade stand, you know, at five years old? Or were you going down a path and then something jerked it the other way? How, how did entrepreneurship tie into you, you and your upbringing? Well, I think I did have a lemonade stand, but I think I gave away all the lemonade. So I, I can't really attribute it to that. Um, I did grow up, though, in a very entrepreneurial family. Uh, my father built the largest chain of women's clothing stores in the U.S. from uh, a store in 1955 that my grandfather started. And then um, my dad expanded that across the country uh, through the early 80s. And so honestly, that is all I knew was being around that innovative business mindset. And the message that I got early on was, if you want something, go get it. If you want something, create it yourself. So rather than if you want something, just work hard, go to school, follow the rules, follow the system, and eventually things will work out. It was if you want it, go make it happen. That is such cool advice. 
Yeah. I mean, it was, and I don't know that he actually said that to me. I just saw it uh, being demonstrated in front of me. Love that. Uh, you know, that he would have an idea and then he would go implement it. Uh, but he definitely was a very, very hard worker. So that was instilled in me probably too much, uh, which, you know, I've learned to uh, tr try to reverse that workaholism. Uh, but, uh, you know, I do think that uh, really served me well. I did have a job once for two weeks, um, and that was is the longest job that I was able to keep. So I, I do feel that I am truly unemployable. <laughs> <laughs> and that is so cool to have. So that, that was your whole family. Was your whole family that way as far as that kind of entrepreneur, get it yourself, sorted out mindset? Or was it only one particular family member? How, how was the attitude for other people for you? Like, did you have other influences yeah. that said, just get a job, get a job? What's wrong with you? You know, it's an interesting question because my dad was super entrepreneurial and my mom was always the one, be careful, be cautious, don't get ahead of yourself kind of thing. So I did get those mixed messages and I do uh, often think that most people do in one way or another. And I think I just really resonated more with my dad. But I will say that the the message of the cautiousness, be careful, uh, did ignite fear in me over the years, you know, that I had to learn to overcome. Uh, now, my mom has always been my biggest fan, um, but there was a time period uh, early on when I was, you know, walking away from a major business, walking away from, from a marriage, and she had a lot of fear uh, for me and, you know, really told me to quit get a job, you know, who do you think you are sort of thing. And that was really just her fear coming up. She was worried about me. Sure. That, that protection of a mother, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, and I get that at the time I didn't, I was kind of pissed off, but she's really glad that I didn't listen to her, you know, now. It's funny, right? It's like, we, we want to, everyone wants to have a parent that says, go chase your dreams. But then you start having kids and you go, wait a minute, like there's a bad world out there too, but you can do whatever you want. And it is interesting to, to, to see that kind of mixed message. Um, and I'm glad to hear that you, you took that and the, the fear part of it, I just want to hit on that just for a second, that fear part of like, hey, I want to be smart and I don't want to mess up and you, know, you don't want to put yourself out there and you, know, you could lose everything or whatever the message was. Have you, did you find that that guided you or was that something in the back of your mind and you had to deal with because certainly you've you've overcome any of those any of the fear if there was any but was that was that an equally important guiding force that mother's voice or was it something that was just in the back of your mind and you've again you've kind of worked through and said yeah I should be smart but I should yeah. still go out and do what I want yeah no I I think that it actually fueled me I, and I, that's just the stubbornness in me. I, I just said, well, I'll show you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> I kind of dug my, my feet in and, you know, and I had several times in those earlier days and I was a single mom for 12 years. So there were definitely times I had my back against the wall. And honestly, I'm grateful for those times because I knew that I, I wanted to be successful. I saw from example that it was possible. And, uh, so I, I think that that desire 
to make something of my life and have that sense of accomplishment and make a difference for others and and wanted to obviously create a, a nice life for my daughter, uh, that made me hungry. You know, I think if it was nice and easy and, you know, uh, you know I, I, I suppose I could have taken that route and, and gotten a job and, and played it safe. Um, but I don't think that I would have ever been truly happy because there would have been a yearning inside, uh, a deeper knowing that I needed to go after my purpose. What would you say is the main driving point for you um, for getting into the entrepreneurship side? Would it be something like the innovation and the the kind of creation of things? Or would it be like that deep purpose and saying, I want to change the world in some way? Or was it, you know, success and finance and being able to create what you want? And I'm sure there's probably, you know, we all have an answer that sort of goes across all of it. But if there was a driving force for you, what do you feel like it is? You know, I remember even when I was young, you know, eight, 10 years old, that I wanted, I knew I wanted to help people. I just remember those thoughts coming up, seeing people in need, seeing people that, um, you know, are struggling in one way or another. And I just have always had this place in my heart that I wanted to make a difference for others. And in the first business that I had, which was a, um, a full service advertising and PR firm, um, and there's there's a whole story around that. I did not feel fulfilled because it was more centered around just the money. You know, you were kind of as good as your last campaign. And so that there was a real empty feeling for me. Now, you've got to have a highly successful, highly profitable business. Cash is king, of course, because that's how you can make a difference for your clients, your employees, your family, and, you know, the community at large. Uh, but if it is not filling me up inside, fueling me with that passion, and I feel connected to others and creating meaningful relationships, then it's just, I just can't do it. How long did you do, so your first company is a PR company. How long did you run that, do that until you kind of got that itch of, I'm made for more than this. This isn't, this isn't everything, right? And you want to do something else. Tell me a little bit about that. I guess kind of the, the conclusion of PR for you, if there was such a thing, and what that transition might have felt or looked like to go into something, in your words, kind of more meaningful. Well, it happened to have been one of the biggest wake-up calls of my life. So it, it wasn't something that I planned. It was the, the universe was like, we are going to give her a strong kick in the butt. Uh, because she is being clueless right now. And that is that I was, uh, you know, I was making a, a, a good amount of money back then. I mean, I was young and I was in my early 20s and uh, I was traveling all over. And we were, for all in, inherent purposes, very successful. Uh, but internally, I was so miserable. I was, um, I wasn't sleeping. I was up all night writing these campaigns. It was a tremendous amount of pressure. Uh, you were as good as your last campaign. And uh, I just felt empty, but I felt trapped because I was making a lot of money. Um, and so there's that golden handcuff kind of thing. And I ended up having a terrible car accident one day from lack of sleep and being late to pick up my daughter from daycare. And uh, I ended up running over myself with my car. 
Oh my gosh, that's not easy. <laughs> I know. And you know, it's we laugh about it now because I am an extreme klutz. Um, and so it's kind of funny, but it, it's not actually because a lot of people have died that way, you know. Uh, I was trying to stop it from rolling and, uh, you know, it fell out of park. And so don't ever do that. I will tell you that. Um, but it must weigh so much more than you. Jeez. Yeah. Well, 4,000 pounds. So yeah, quite a bit. Oh, my gosh. So you're in this moment of like, man, I you're running on autopilot in a lot of ways. Yeah. And you're, you just and, and I, I relate to that, like the overwhelm. And it culminates in this getting ran over by your own car. Yeah. I mean, crazy. What, what happens next? You know, and you talk about the weight of the car. My adrenaline, it's, you know, when you have that adrenaline going, it's incredible what you can do because it literally ran over my legs and everything. And I, you know, I, I survived it. It's just so crazy. But it, it was... Um, it was just a massive wake-up call and completely terrifying. And in that moment, I was just like, I am so done with this. Like, I get it. I hear you. I'm over it. <laughs> so I ended up selling my half of the business to my partner um, for $6,000, okay? Like nothing. And I was young and naive. I, I really didn't know what I was doing, but I just wanted to be done. And um, I also walked away from a difficult marriage as well. So it was a major, major turning point for me and scary because I was embarking on, uh, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do next. I really had no money at that point because um, I, you know, walked away from everything. And so it was a whole new chapter for me. But I'm so grateful for that lesson because what was going on then, Matt, was that I didn't know how to scale. I was the control freak. I was the micromanager. I was doing everything. And I didn't understand how to build the foundations of a business. I thought it was all just flying by the seat of your pants, just getting a bunch of clients. And I was good at that. And I was good at actually the creative part for, for the client, but I didn't really understand how to scale a company. And that's where I fell apart. So I'm, I'm grateful for that lesson because I knew I loved business, but I knew I had to do it very differently moving forward. So from that point, did you move into what you're currently doing now or did, what was the next business uh, endeavor that happened right after? Well, I've had nine businesses since. So I, you know, I've just been on this trajectory, this entrepreneurial tra trajectory. I'm in my 10th company right now. Um, that I've run for the last decade. So I had, you know, some of them were running concurrently at some points I was running three businesses at a time. But what I ended up doing right after that was um, I went on this sort of soul searching journey. I took a year to kind of try to find myself. And it was an amazing year, I have to say, uh, because I didn't want to just jump into the next thing. I wanted to figure out what was I going to be super excited about? What was in alignment with me? Uh, because I knew I just couldn't push that boulder up the hill anymore. And what happened was in my own search to try to get well, I discovered homeopathic medicine. And I grew up in the Midwest in Oklahoma, you know, where my mom took me to the doctor for everything. So I didn't even know what the word holistic was or meant. 
and somebody referred me to someone and I thought, oh my God, this is like crazy stuff. And uh, almost even turned around when I got to this person's office, but it had such a profound effect in my life, literally changed my life, uh, built my confidence, helped me have clarity. I just felt like I was myself again. And, and I thought, I've got to, I got to learn about this stuff. This is amazing. So I ended up going to school and I studied in London and I ended up opening a, a practice in San Diego and then going on to build the largest homeopathic college in Southern California. Oh my gosh. In, in I 99. About your story. Yeah. So, um, and, and then I sold that school in 2005 and it was just, it still runs today. Super passionate about that. And then I had the homeopathic practice for 20 years. Wow. So this, I mean, this was a huge season in your life being a homeopath. Did you think at that time that that would be it? Like, this is my destiny. This is what I'm made to do. I'm going to, I'm going to grow old and gray one day being a homeopath or at the time, did you know that this was a season of life and that there'd be another season, another season kind of, what was your mindset during the time building that practice? Yeah. You know, I was in my um, early thirties at the time and you know, you, at, at that point, you just, you're looking at an open road, but, um, I loved homeopathy and even still to this day, it is such a huge part of my life. And I think probably when I'm 90 or hundred, I'll go back to practicing again. I mean, I still, you know, that it's still really my philosophy and I help people. I, I handed my uh, fitness trainer who I've been with for 20 years, he was having some stomach issues and I had to just grab something out of my purse and give it to him today. I can't help it. It's like part of who I am. Um, but I, I think that for me, I'm a, I lo- I'm a creator. I am an innovator. I love um, new ideas. I love that startup phase. And um, so while I had the practice, while I had the homeopathic practice, I had several other companies, you know, that I was doing as well. And I think that that really satisfied my desire to really help people, you know, and, uh, and really make a difference. And then I went on to do the software company and the jewelry manufacturing company and the beauty salons and the scuba diving certification company. And, you know, just wherever I was, you know, you know, I mean, does, doesn't everyone have a scuba diving certification company (laughs) and a, and a jewelry company? (laughs) And as a homeopathic doctor, and what would you say your current rendition right now? Um, you wrote the book, of course. So I want to talk about that uh, scale or fail. That's endorsed by Two Sharks from Shark Tank. That's a huge deal. Um, in your current business, I guess you know, let me just start with this. When it comes to scaling, in my head, and I know it's not accurate, but in my head, when I think of scaling, I think of like a massive business that's making a ton of money and is just really growing. And now we say we have to scale this thing. Who is scaling for? What size does it matter? Um, is it something that you, you start in the very beginning from launch day with scaling in mind? Or is it something that you get to at a certain point, then it's time to bring in the big guns and start scaling? Tell me a little bit about your take on that and, and how you define scaling, maybe. Yeah, I think the best way to define scaling is that, you know, once you hit a point of there's no more bandwidth, right? Um, you know, there, there's no way to multiply your revenue. There's no way to create more freedom. Um, and there's definitely no way to create more impact. So it's got to grow beyond you in your delivery. 
And so this is the time that you've got to put the um, strategies in place where you can have those multipliers. And that is where you're, you're, you have that multiplication of, um, of production of your product or service way beyond you, but your expense does not multiply at that same rate. That's really the definition of scaling. I love and, that. So let's just say that one more time. So it's your revenue and your production, how many people yeah. you're reaching multiplies, but your expenses do not. Did I get that right? Exactly. Exactly. And so um, that's why like software is super easy to scale, you know, because once you build it, um, you know, there's not a lot of cost in delivery. You know, it's more like the upgrading of it. But there, there are many ways to scale. I, ta- I give 17 ways in the book and you can scale on the revenue side and you can scale on the team side. So, um, but I think it's important to learn this from the get-go because you'll save years of getting stuck in one, you know, phase of your business. Um, and, you know, there's that saying, what got you here is not going to get you there. So if you understand how to scale from the beginning, you're going to set up your business in a very different way. What types, of, what types of businesses need to focus on this? Is it all or is it, uh, clearly it's software as a service. You talked about that with software. I'm guessing service professionals as well. I'm thinking landscapers, um, beauticians. If you ran a, a, a salon, like that makes perfect sense. At some point, there's only so many heads of hair you can cut in a day yourself. And then you start looking at how do you scale it? Are there any exceptions to the scaling rule? Are, are there any types of businesses that just quite frankly aren't scalable? You know, you can create, um, you can take any business and make it scalable. I mean, you may have to add a product or service to it that is scalable. You you can create an information product that is scalable. You can um, scale through multiple locations. You can go from local to global. You can franchise. You can create memberships. Um, you can, you know, uh, create, you know, monthly recurring revenue. The idea is that it's beyond you and replicating what you do through other mediums or individuals. So, you know, like for instance, my company now, Pinnacle Global Network is a business mentoring company. We, um, we coach, uh, entrepreneurs all over the world for the last decade. And in the beginning, it was me, you know, um, it just evolved. People asked me, Allison, how do you do this? Please teach me. And then, you know, there's only so many people that I could help. So I began to then create a signature process around the way that I work, around the way that I scale companies, and then began to teach this. Um, And our team is all uh, our mentoring team are all CEOs that have run very successful companies themselves. And so this is, you know, the way we've been able to scale. I have um, 11 CEOs that mentor our, our clients. And so, so that's one way is to replicate you with your genius, whatever that is. Um, the other is on the product side is to figure out how do you multiply, how, you know, what is your multiplier? And there are many different strategies um, on getting, getting your product out there, um, you know, beyond one at a time. So 
let me just again just kind of back up make sure i get this part of the scaling and you're doing of course a mentoring company among many companies but one way is you're making a signature system for what you actually do so if you're listening right now and you're doing something that produces magical results whatever it is got to stop and think are there steps is there a process is there a template what is the thing that i'm actually doing and if you can break it down then you can teach it or at least you can enlist other people's help. So one way to scale is by bringing the quality people in like you have with your mentoring team. Um, I know one way is you're doing live events as well. So if you have a massive live event, clearly that's scaling because instead of delivering this content or teaching or coaching to one person, you can do it to hundreds at the same time. That's another way to scale. Um, I love this. So we can find out more at scaleorfail.com. Scaleorfail.com. You can pick up Allison's book. Um, I know you have some special deals on the book as well. I saw that it's pretty cool. I love how you have uh, bundles available with different bonuses. Um, such a cool thing. I'm going to like, what a way to scale book sales. You know, you can buy 10 books and you get all these bonuses, but, uh, or you can just get one and there's still bonuses for that, but check out scalerfail.com. And you can also go to, let me tell you, ask about this a little bit, allisonmaslinlive.com slash scale. And you have a, um, a, a blueprint on there that can help us understand what we're talking about and where you can implement scaling. Tell me a little bit about the blueprint and, and why it's so awesome. Yeah, it's just five videos of me outlining uh, the different aspects of scaling, you know, what you need to have in place to scale your business. So it's a, a free training that I'm giving and it's quite substantial. So I'm happy to share that with your listeners. So this is an entire, this is so cool. So at first I thought it might be a PDF with something later on, but this is just, you go over to allisonmaslinlive.com slash scale and you get a five-part video training and it's just you in five videos training about scaling your business. Exactly. That is yeah. epic. Okay, so I'm going to be de- getting that. I'm going to get that right now. And guys, if you're if you're listening, of course, in your car or on the radio, make sure you you head over to uh, wherever you can get podcasts, and you can get this show as well on a digital download. And there'll be show notes everywhere you go. Follow me on social media at Matt Browning, and you'll see uh, posts as well for the show and things like that. Make sure you follow Allison. Facebook is Allison Fans. It's A L L I S O N S. So Allison's plural fans and Instagram is Allison Maslin, M-A-S-L-A-N. They'll all be in the show notes, of course, for your following genius. Allison, as we're kind of winding down here, um, a real final question for you is, if you could do all of this again, knowing what you know now about scaling and about everything in business, which of any of your businesses would you not do or do differently or would you do them all the same? Oh my gosh, that's a really good question. I don't think that there's any of them that I would not do. Um, although the scuba diving did lead me into some a couple scary shark situations that um, <laughs> I was not um, really one of those National Geographic adventure type of women, but uh, somehow life led me there. So uh, I survived it. I, I wouldn't change anything. I, I really wouldn't. Now, in the moment, there have been lots of ups and downs and challenges. You know, it's the roller coaster of being an entrepreneur. But honestly, I thrive on that. And to me, it's uh, it, it, it's where my passion kicks in and goes, okay, there's a missing puzzle piece. Let's find it. Let's just figure it out. 
and, uh, and then move, you know, move on. So it's just, I think it's made me a stronger person, more resilient and more compassionate. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I found this path of being a business owner. And I hope that everybody listening sees, uh, you know, that you are, you know, you're, you're, you've come into this world with gifts and by not, um, accessing them, stepping in to them to the fullest degree, um, you know, that would be very sad. So I, you know, I'm just a big believer in going for it. Well, we're grateful for you. Great, wonderful words. Thank you so much. Allison Maslin, everyone. As that's the show this week, thank you so much for tuning in. Hope that was valuable for you. Of course, I love the conversation with Allison. Oh my gosh. Remember, follow her. Uh, she does some amazing, I'm looking at her Instagram right now. Um, amazing. If you want inspirational memes, if you want great videos and trainings and just fun pictures, like it's, it's amazing. I love following her. So make sure you follow at uh, Instagram. I just hit the follow right now. Allison with two L's, Maslin, M-A-S-L-A-N. And then Facebook, Allison's Fans. And then, of course, check out the book, scaleorfail.com. You can get the book with bonuses. It's available for purchase. The bonuses are all free. And then if you go to allisonmaslinlive.com slash scale, you get that five-part video training. And that's also free. So, and listen, the people we bring on the show, take advantage of the offerings of the genius and the value that people like Allison have been building for decades and then bringing it to show to share with you. So, hope you had a great Uh, I had a great show. Hope you did too. (laughs) As usual, get out there this week and crush it. I'll see you in a few days. 